0: So this is a significant problem to organizations everywhere. And we always say fraud isn't an accounting problem, it's a human problem. If you employ individuals to work in your company, this report really shows you the risks that come along with that if you're not paying attention.
1: I'm your host, Vincent Walden, coming to you on the Compliance Podcast Network. With me today is a longtime friend of mine, Andy McNeil, who's VP of Education at the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. Welcome, Andy.
0: Thanks, Vince. I'm thrilled to be here with you today.
1: So glad that you're on the show, and especially talking about the 2022 ACFE report to the nations. But before we open up, we got to start with a quote from Henry David Thoreau, of course, I found something that kind of relates to your research on the report to the nations. And he commented, could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? So when I thought about what a perfect way to think about this report, it's a glimpse from another person's angle of what the state of the nation is and the the report to the nations of over 2,100 cases in 133 countries of what fraud looks like. You know, I think it's pretty cool.
0: I love that quote, Vince. That's great. I think that's exactly what this report is. And I'm excited to share a little bit about it with all of your listeners.
1: Yeah, that's one thing about being on the pond is quoting Thoreau. He's got lots of quotes for pretty much any topic. <laughs> so he works out good with a little bit of research. So before we begin, though, Andy, I like to tell the listeners who are primarily legal compliance and anti fraud professionals, they always like to know a little bit about who's speaking. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at the ACFE and how you got to be? in your position as VP of education.
0: Sure. So I've actually been with the ACFE for almost 18 years. It's been quite a ride. It's wonderful. I started out my career as a CPA and quickly discovered that the audit and tax world wasn't for me. But when I came across a couple of cases of fraud, that just piqued my interest incredibly. And lo and behold, ended up finding a job actually at the ACFE and have been here ever since. What I do in my role is I oversee all of our training content, a lot of our exam preparation content. But one of my favorite parts of what I do is overseeing all of our benchmarking studies. And I think that thorough quote hit it spot on. We really want to see what fraud looks like through the eyes of our members, of the victims, and frankly, even the perpetrators, because that helps us do our jobs better. So I've been doing that for 18 years. And as the VP of Education, I'm thrilled to be on here and share a little bit about our most recent study with you all.
1: Yeah, that's it. I was so excited to read it. Again, it was 2020 since the last one came out. So every two years, it just came out last week. Is that correct? I downloaded it last week. It's relatively fresh right off the press.
0: Hot off the presses. We released it last week. It's available for anyone to download from our website, acfb.com slash RTTN. And it is 96 pages chock full of great fraud statistics.
1: That's awesome. So can you give us some highlights? Tell us some of the the key areas of what you guys thought were most interesting?
0: Absolutely. So this study, what we do is, first of all, we focus on occupational fraud, which means we're not trying to get a snapshot of every type of fraud that occurs. We're focused solely on those cases that are perpetrated by the employees against the companies that they work for, or the organizations they work for, I should say. So we're focused on that one slice of fraud. And we actually look specifically at cases that were investigated between 2020 and 2021. And I think that's important because these are cases that were investigated largely during a global pandemic, which is a really interesting view into what is occurring in the landscape of fraud out there. And these cases took place in organizations of every size, in every industry, from small companies and nonprofits to government agencies, all the way up to huge multinational corporations. And really it helped paint a picture of the costs the methods, the victims, the perpetrators, and the outcomes of these cases. That's what we looked at. And when we did that, we found some really, really interesting trends. Specifically, we know that fraud is enormous. It can happen anywhere. That's what our victim organizations and our study show. But that the problem is of a huge magnitude. We know that just the 2,100 cases we looked at caused losses of over $3.6 billion. And we also know that that's just a very small portion of the frauds that are being committed around the world. If we're only looking at 2100 cases, and you think about how large the global workforce is, surely we're not capturing all of them. So this is a significant problem to organizations everywhere. And we always say fraud isn't an accounting problem. It's a human problem. If you employ individuals to work in your company, this report really shows you the risks that come along with that if you're not paying attention.
1: I love the infographs that you had. Think about it. the medium loss per case is $117,000 per instance in your study. The average was 1.7 million. So I guess there were some massive ones in there that threw that off. But I also noticed corruption was the most common scheme in every global region, which was kind of fascinating. And again, the statistics around 42% of frauds were detected by tips. And again, that's just so important how an effective compliance program and whistleblowing program is. What did you think were kind of some of the key findings that stood out among your observations?
0: Yeah, I think the couple that you just mentioned are actually the ones that hit us most frequently with these studies. They're just so consistent over time. Tips are always the top way that frauds are detected in our studies. Far and away, we know how important hotlines are because of that. Corruption continues to be a significant risk globally. We know that the most common red flag displayed by perpetrators is living beyond their means. So if you're helping raise awareness for how to spot fraud, these are things to be aware of. But for me, one of the most interesting observations of this particular study is actually the success we're able to see if we look back over the last decade of our studies. This time, you know, you mentioned the losses, but what was really fascinating was looking back over, seeing that frauds are actually being caught faster and thus causing smaller damage to the organizations that are being victimized than they were a decade ago. We also see that more organizations are implementing anti-fraud controls, which we know can help catch frauds faster and cause lower fraud losses. So there's a direct line here that really is highlighting the successes of the anti-fraud profession.
1: That's right. It was really cool to see that the detection time was going down, the average duration time was going down. And like you said, through the use of better controls, better checks, use of data analytics, which is something I'm passionate about, those things are having an impact every year. And it's funny, yeah, you do have a 10-year benchmark on this. That's kind of neat.
0: Yeah, this was the first time we really stopped and said, let's do sort of that retrospective look. And then we were surprised by some of what we found. But I think it's a great testament to the profession overall. And a lot of the tools you just mentioned, analytics, doing proactive fraud risk assessments, training your staff and having hotlines in place. We're seeing the evidence that those things are working.
1: Yeah. But what was new in this one was the mention of cryptocurrency. I was taken back by the study found that 8% of the cases, you know, of the 2100 or more cases had cryptocurrency involved. And again, I don't think that was ever in the previous reports, but because it's a thing now, and we know it's big, I'm sure it's probably going to grow over the years. But what were your thoughts on the cryptocurrency mentions?
0: Yeah, I agree completely. I don't think 8% doesn't sound like a lot right now. And if this was the first time we looked at it. But again, it's important to remember these were all investigated during 2020 and 2021, which means a lot of them were being perpetrated before then. And we know the trajectory of crypto has taken off over the last few years. So this seems like it's likely just the beginning of a shift in cases to including more crypto aspects. And to me, what that says is that even if we as anti-fraud professionals all of us don't have that deep technical knowledge to really trace crypto specifically or get into the technological components. We need to be aware of how these cryptocurrencies are affecting fraud schemes. We need to know what we can be looking for. And most importantly, I think we need to realize when we need to call in the experts because we're going to just see more and more of these types of cases.
1: Very interesting. Well, we have time for one last question. and I always kind of like to ask, what advice do you have for anti-fraud professionals and compliance professionals? and how they might be able to use the guide to increase the dialogue within their organization.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the top two things that I hope people use this guide for are, first of all, to really understand and assess their fraud risk. We bang the drum about fraud risk assessments pretty continuously, but this gives us a really good way to look in different departments across industries and understand where those susceptibilities lie. I also think that this is a good opportunity to benchmark programs, both your anti-fraud programs is in terms of what other industry and similar organizations are doing with their programs, as well as what's most effective. And the goal there is obviously to ultimately sell management that proactive fraud programs work. I think our data does a great job of laying out that that's true. And I hope that you know our members, your audience are able to use the data that we provide to sell management on additional anti-fraud investments
1: great statistics. And there's a ton of infographics that people can use from the study and use in their own anti-fraud reports and benchmarking. So Andy, hats off to you and the ACFE this year for another great report. Thank you very much for joining us on the show.
0: Thanks so much, Vince.
1: We'll have you back soon. (laughs) I appreciate it. And thanks everybody for listening to the Walden Pond on the Compliance Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.